1: Episode of Popcorn Podcast with Lee and Tim, and this week we're talking the Conjuring, the devil made me do it, plus all the latest movie and trailer news.
3: I'm Timmy Fland, movie buff.
1: And I'm Lee Livingstone, entertainment journalist
3: And we love to talk all things movies And this week we are going to dive straight into The Devil Made Me Do It Which is based on a chilling true story that shocked even experienced Real life paranormal investigators Ed and Lorraine Warren One of the most sensational cases from the Warren's files It starts with a fight for the soul of a young boy Then takes them beyond anything they'd ever seen before To mark the first time in US history that a murder suspect would claim demonic possession in a defense. What an incredible premise that is. It is
1: very interesting. The movie is directed by Michael Chavez, taking over the reins from James Wan. Mm. And it's from a screenplay by David Leslie Johnson McGoldrick from a story by James Wan and David Leslie Johnson McGoldrick
3: best name that I've ever heard. Bloody long. <laughs> uh, the film stars Patrick Wilson, Vera Farmiga, Rory O'Connor, John Noble, Sarah Catherine Hook and Julian Hillard.
1: Right, right, let's jump into this spooky story. This is the seventh film in the Conjuring universe. I want to say seventh because that's what the production notes say, but there is another film called La Lorona, which is Continuously connected to this Conjuring universe.
3: So, seven or eight. I had Mm. no idea this was such an extensive franchise. Mm. Lots of spin-offs. And this, The Conjuring, The Devil Made Me Do It, is the third in that kind of main uh, lineage of story with the Warrens, right? Yeah, that
1: focuses on Ed and Lorraine Warren, who were real-life paranormal investigators.
3: Also known as real-world clairvoyant and demonologist. Right. Just imagine putting that on your Mm. um, LinkedIn profile. (laughs)
1: Well, the movie really opens with a bang, doesn't it, Tim? Oh, yeah. Let's just start there at the beginning. As the Warrens are participating in an exorcism, as you said, of this young boy.
3: Mm, very, very scary. Very scary. I mean, look, we've seen exorcisms in film for decades, right? Mm. It's mm. nothing new, but they still deliver, I think, incredible value in how, like, it's shot and how intense they usually are. Mm. Um, There's such a theatrical sort of event to portray on on screen and I was just gripped. I thought it was um, really, really excellent.
1: Sucked me right in. Now, yeah. The big questions, though, is, is there enough juice – in the characters and in this franchise to warrant another story. As we said, it's the seventh or eighth in the franchise with the, and the third with the Warrens at the center.
3: Mm, I think so. Yeah. I mean, look, I haven't seen, to be honest, any of the other films in the conjuring franchise, but what hooks me in here mm. is that based on a true story, right. It's such a trope of the horror yeah. genre, isn't it? And how true that may or may not be like, sometimes it can be a bit misleading. Mm. Um, but, Whenever you have that sort of like all those files, all these things that they apparently did as part of their actual lives, yeah. I think there's a lot to just unpack there. And I, I think there was enough here for for another go. And
1: I think that's what people find fascinating, isn't it? The fact that it's based on a true story or it's mm. rooted in reality. And I say that in air quotes, <laughs> knowing it's based on their on their case files. Do you think, since you haven't seen the others, mm. you're in a good position to uh, answer this question. Do you need to have seen the others to see this one?
3: I... I th- feel like it successfully stands alone like I didn't mm-hmm. feel alienated mm-hmm. by who these characters were what they did I think they kind of set it up easy enough that you know what they're all about and what they're there to achieve and then th- the story follows on I still think it worked I don't think I missed out on any overt context that would have been mm-hmm. established in previous films. And I really th- liked the element of getting to know them, the Warrens, through their love story, which I believe is something like how they met and yeah. all the rest of it, which I believe mm-hmm. hasn't been a part of the film before. And yeah. it really demonstrated their bond as a couple and the incredible chemistry they have, which we'll talk to later.
1: Yeah, there is a nice little love story there as an mm-hmm. undercurrent. I will add a caveat though. I You don't need to have seen the others, mm-hmm. I think, but you possibly would because there's a lot of character relationships and established relationships with some of the secondary characters that wasn't really explained.
3: That's very true. I just kind of assumed that, it like, okay, yeah. they're probably in other films. I don't really know who they are, but they're kind of part of their team.
1: Yeah, they have some kind of team and, and some of the um, the priests or the or the reverends yeah. they knew already.
3: They kind of go to get some advice or ask questions and delve deeper into what they're trying to uncover. Yeah. That is a very good point. Yeah, some of the bit players are like, who are you? Okay, I know you've kind of been there. Maybe we've met you in film one Yeah, uh, and you stuck around and helped them out.
1: This one plays out more like a detective thriller, doesn't it, than the other films? I think the other films are more haunted house traditional horror tropes and this one sends them out into the world to help the police, to help this young man with his uh, defence.
3: Yeah, I do believe the first two are like more haunted mansion sort of things. Mm. However... I think that they kind of paid homage to that in the opening as we've already addressed, like the, the exorcism yeah. that took place in the house. So they kind of ticked that haunted house sort of vibe mm-hmm. first on and then went to a whole new direction with the whole detective sort of vibe, which I quite enjoyed.
1: I will say I really enjoyed this movie. It's a fun ride, definitely. Yeah. Um- but there's a lot of tangents that make it feel messy and chaotic. Mm-hmm. I never fully understood the why of the central story event. And I can't say much more than that without giving anything away, but the central arc of Arnie and his possession often seemed sidelined. Would you agree? Like they lost interest in that central storyline
3: after a while. Yeah. It was kind of, Arnie would pop in and out every once in a while.
1: Yeah, but it's, that was weird because it's the central story.
3: Yeah, it's about him. It's about what's happened to him at mm. the beginning of the film and why they're off exploring what the hell's going on uh, to ultimately save him as part mm. of his defence.
1: It's like the script just keeps piling on all these like supernatural Jengas until you don't know which one's going to send the whole thing crashing.
3: A supernatural Jenga? I want to play that game. Do you like my metaphor? I do. I love it. Big tick. I love a courtroom drama, right? Mm. I really, really love that whole sentiment in a film. Mm. And I was half expecting this one to spend some time in that space. You don't get much there. No, you don't. And I don't know if that was something I'm either disappointed about or if I think it was an element of the story that they um, could have chosen to explore even a little more. Mm. And for me, that would have been like the icing on the cake.
1: What about the elements of a horror film? They're all there, aren't they? All the good good stuff that makes you scared. Yeah. You the, know, creepy characters, check. Innocent little possessed boy, check. <laughs> possessed waterbed.
3: <laughs> oh my god. That was a nice um homage to a nightmare on Elm Street, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah. yeah, yeah. And also the opening with the exorcist. Yeah. The priest standing there with the house and you know the oh. There's the even vibes.
1: there's even a bit of psycho with the woman standing in the window. Like there's oh. all these homages to different traditional horror flicks, which are nice touches, I yeah,
3: think. Yeah. And I think they executed it with a good pace and precision and, and like a bit of class. It was very. It was a very slick film. Yeah, I think you know, well you, made. Yeah, well made. You had the classic opening, which set up the context and the tone, mm. and then set up like what the rest of the film is going to be about, uh, the exploration, then the uncovery, and then the ultimate, the third act mm. where everything comes to a head.
1: And that all comes down to the cinematography as well, doesn't it? Which oh my is gosh. done really well. I loved the way, in particular. And I don't know how much this happens in the previous films, but I love the way Lorraine is pulled into her visions visually. You know, yes. everything slows down, the screen becomes darker and she gets mm. pulled into this past world and uh, really effective.
3: And a beautiful marriage between that work mm. in camera, the effects, yeah, and then the sound mixing. Oh, yes. Let's yeah. talk about the sound because
1: mm. – Joseph Bishara's score is just heart-pounding yeah. and it's crafted really well to complement that groaning soundscape that really gives you the chills, you know. It's scary and it pulls you right in.
3: I was pulled in several times. I I watched most of the film between my fingers. <laughs> <laughs> I'm such a wuss. You didn't throw much popcorn this time. Not this time, but heck, I almost did. I just going back to those transitions, I think mm. what that how that is really effective is I think this film in general was really well storyboarded. I think the vision of the director yep. and all that sort of like, okay, this is what we want to do and how we achieve it was really clear and executed really, really nicely. Mm. Yeah. The use of the camera was excellent where it was positioned in the space, what it uncovered in the space was really, really slick. Like this film didn't look cheap. I think we mentioned that before. Like it was, um, It was really, really nice.
1: And what about the set design? You know, they're off out in the outside world, as we said, but they're at the climax. There's this rather fitting location that they find themselves in this underground, like, catacomb set Mm. piece that really heightens the terror and the confusion. I think that's really effective.
3: Yeah, yeah. I felt really claustrophobic in there. Did you kind of feel lost? Yeah. As as lost as they were?
1: Which means it, it... did its job, really.
3: It was, um, yeah, incredibly transformative. Like you just, you felt like you were in those spaces. And that's what horror films do so well. And, and, and if they do nail it, it's like you feel like you are in there with the characters experiencing these really mm. tense moments. And those tunnels were, I mean, oh, terrifying. Yeah. Mm. This is
1: a scary movie. It is very scary. <laughs> it is scary Let's talk about the uh, characters. As you mentioned, the pairing of Vera and Patrick is a good one. I mean, that's what makes this franchise so successful. In part, they've got a really easy chemistry between them. They've been mm. doing it a long time. Like you really feel the love of um, Ed and Lorraine, don't you? Through yeah. Vera and Patrick,
3: absolutely. And I honestly wasn't expecting. This film, let alone a horror film, Mm. to kind of delve into a relationship like that and then how vital that was in you understanding who they were, how they worked together and supported each other and lifted them up.
1: My only criticism was that in the script, that love story was quite syrupy. Syrupy. Yeah. A little heavy handed, Mm -hmm. I think. I mean, you felt their love, you know their relationship and having the backstory of how they met, play out was beautiful. Like, I think they say at one point that the demon thinks their love is a weakness or something like that. And I just kind of rolled my eyes. I was like, (laughs) but our love is our strength.
3: What? Do you want to get some relationship advice from the demon? (laughs) I'm not sure it would be very, very useful for everyday life. It just felt a little
1: heavy handed, a little too sentimental for me.
3: I actually really also liked the performance that Rory O'Connor gave as well. Agreed. Yeah. He was one beautiful to look at. Uh, (laughs) And two, you know, he had it...
1: He was starting to look a little sick there towards
3: Yeah, him. look, I probably wouldn't have approached him at a bar if he looked like <laughs> what he did towards the end b- of the film. Bring him a cup of soup. Yeah, a cup of soup and a blanket. No, I just think as an actor, I can only imagine how physical... Mm. those roles are what they have to do to their body when they're being possessed by a demon obviously a lot of it is a bit of trickery and cgi they're literally not bending themselves inside <laughs> out sort of thing uh no but i was really impressed like he um he really delivered you felt the pain the confusion yeah the desperation uh and the control that he ultimately didn't have in his own body which is no mean feat
1: you know one funny thing that I kept thinking all the way through it is um, the character of Debbie, played by Sarah Catherine Hook, who was mm-hmm. wonderful. Yes. She's really good. All I kept thinking is Soda Stream Girl. Soda Stream Girl? Have you seen the commercials? No.
3: Is she in She's that? the
1: Soda Stream
3: Girl. Oh, yes. Oh, my God.
1: Is it just that coming is, to you yes, now?
3: it's yeah. just coming to me now. Um, that is hilarious. Was that distracting for you?
1: Uh, yeah, a little bit. But they got, those ads are great, though, too. Like, they she's very great. good. She is very good. <laughs>
3: She's, She's demonstrating her range in the I Conjuring know, film.
1: I know, but I just kept thinking, Soda Stream girl. Someone pass her a Soda Stream.
3: It was probably written in a contract. <laughs> into Soda Stream in a trailer.
1: <laughs> oh dear. Shall we wrap up? The Devil Made Me Do It. Yeah, let's do it. So, The Devil Made Me Do It is not the best installment in the Conjuring universe, I think. Uh, and you feel the difference for the lack of James Wan and the original writers Chad and Carrie Hayes behind the scenes. Despite the syrupy script and lack of subtlety in places, it's crafted well enough to give really good scares and make you care about what you're watching. Plus the pairing of Vera and Patrick elevates this film into a solid horror movie, even if I think it's lacking the depth of character that kick-started this concept into being one of the most lucrative horror franchises of recent times. And it is. I had a good time in this film and I think you will too. I'm going to give The Conjuring, The Devil Made Me Do It, three popcorn kernels.
3: So The Conjuring, The Devil Made Me Do It is an entertaining and terrifying who done it, what's done it and why done it. This was my introduction into The Conjuring universe and I'm genuinely excited to explore the other films in the franchise as a result with excellent performances a relatively tight script and masterful camera work i enjoyed this far more than i was expecting a slick horror film with a lot of heart i'm going to rate the conjuring the devil made me do it three popcorn kernels as well
1: and this sequel is in australian cinemas now so make sure you check it out
3: if you dare
1: before we jump into news, Tim, we are running two exciting giveaways at the moment to see the Fast and the Furious Nine and the Hitman's Wife's Bodyguard. To celebrate the F9 sequel racing into Australian cinemas from June 17, Universal Studios has gifted us five double passes to give away to five lucky winners.
3: Thank you, Universal Studios. Now, to get your hands on a double pass, all you have to do is head to the Popcorn Podcast Facebook or Instagram pages. Make sure you're following it, and then tap. Tag the Dom to your Letty in the comments of the giveaway post.
1: And the F9 giveaway closes on Friday, June eleven, So you don't have much time on that one. Get into it.
3: Absolutely. Now, if you want to see The Hitman's Wife's Bodyguard, which is the action comedy sequel starring Ryan Reynolds, Samuel L. Jackson and Selma Hayek, you have to make sure you like the Facebook or Instagram page and tag your movie loving bestie in the comments of the giveaway post.
1: The Hitman's Wife's Bodyguard is in Australian cinemas from June 24 with previews happening from June 10 to 16.
3: I think we should challenge ourselves in how many times we can say The Hitman's Wife's Bodyguard in our review episode. Say it three times fast. Hitman's wife's bodyguard, the Hitman's wife's bodyguard, the Hitman's Wife's ah. bodyguard. <laughs> okay. Well done. Done.
1: You're a magician. <laughs> In more exciting news, we recently sat down with the cast and director of the upcoming musical movie In the Heights. Based on the musical by Lin-Manuel Miranda, In the Heights follows a colourful tight-knit community in Washington Heights who are all chasing their
3: dreams. We're living our own dreams by getting opportunities like this, which is just incredible. We can't wait to bring this to you. So we have a very special episode coming soon that will feature our chats with the stars and director John M. Chu, as well as provide our insights on the movie before it releases in Australian cinemas on June 24.
1: Make sure you are subscribed to Popcorn Podcast on your preferred platform and make sure you're following us on YouTube to get your hands on that juicy content as soon as it's live. It's coming very soon.
3: Now, recently we got another new trailer for Jungle Cruise and it gave us a lot more of the adventure vibe starring Dwayne Johnson and Emily Blunt. And it's obviously based on the Disney theme park attraction, which means lots of point of view shots and dangers jumping out at us. doubt.
1: I'm there for. I'm totally there for it. Jungle Cruise is in Australian cinemas from July 29 and will be available on Disney Plus with Premier Access, as is the trend right now, Mm -hmm. from July 30. What do you think about this film? I'm
3: excited. Yeah, me too. I got a lot of uh, combination of Indiana Jones and Pirates of the Caribbean vibes in the latest Mm. trailer.
1: I mean, Emily Blunt and Dwayne Johnson is the pairing we didn't know we needed and I'm so glad that we get it.
3: Yes, I love living for the chemistry we're getting from them so far. All right, so we also got another new longer trailer for M. Night Shyamalan's Old, and it looks like a typical mind-bender from the director, as as we've (laughs) known to Mm -hmm. love. Set on a beach, it focuses on a family who suddenly start aging rapidly through the different stages of their lives. Holy hell.
1: Freaky, absolutely freaky. Old is in Australian cinemas from July 22. We will definitely be going to see that one.
3: I think it'll be another film I'll be watching through my fingers. Yeah. (laughs)
1: Now, production on Mission Impossible 7 has been temporarily shut down in Britain due to a coronavirus case. Mm. Recently, a recording was leaked of Tom Cruise yelling at his crew about COVID practices and making yeah. sure they stick to them. Um, so, yeah, it's a bit of a shame that one crept through.
3: Yeah, this production is a little bit cursed. Like, it is, Yeah, they had, they had a big break. Uh, They're trying to film two films back-to-back, seven and eight. Mm. So, um, yeah, this is a bit of another bump in the road. So, this is the third COVID-related delay on production now and it might mean we're looking at more delays to the release uh, schedule of this film, uh, which at this stage is set for May next year, 2022.
1: We'll get it eventually. We also got the first trailer for Hugh Jackman's next film, Reminiscence. It Mm. follows a scientist who discovers a way to relive your past and uses the technology to search for his long-lost love – It's written and directed by Lisa Joy, who is the writer, co-creator of Westworld, and it also Mm. stars Rebecca Ferguson and Tandaway Newton. And this one is slated for release sometime in August. I'm very excited for this.
3: Oh, I'm getting so many vibes from this trailer. Obviously, Westworld vibes.
1: Yeah, and I loved Westworld. I think Lisa Joy is a fantastic creator, and I'm really excited to see where this film goes. Oh,
3: absolutely. Hugh Jackman delivering... His best.
1: And putting Hugh Jackman together with Rebecca Ferguson again. Gimme, gimme, gimme. Their tension in The Greatest Showman was, oh. Oh,
3: the tension. The tension. (laughs) This looks so fucking good. I love it. I kind of got Blade Runner vibes as well and a bit of Inception Mm. flavors. So hopefully this delivers because I'm Mm. incredibly intrigued.
1: Now, 20th Century are apparently developing a script for a Master and Commander sequel. Mm. Did not know this. Yeah. This is one
3: of my favorite films. Mm. Russell Crowe, Paul Bettany, the, the first one was 2003, uh, directed by Australia's Peter Weir, was nominated for 10 Academy Awards. Mm. And Russell Crowe has consistently taken to Twitter over many years saying how much he wants to return to that world. Yeah. So this is really, really exciting. There are no casts or director or any other great details. They're just developing a script at the moment. Mm. So we'll watch this space and we'll, we'll keep you updated.
1: Can't wait. Mm. And that's it for another week of Popcorn Podcast, guys. We reviewed The Conjuring, The Devil Made Me Do It, which is in cinemas now.
3: And don't forget to get involved in our ticket giveaways for Fast 9 and The Hitman's Wife's. Bodyguard,
1: Get into it.
3: All right, guys. As always, thank you so much for listening.
1: We'll catch you next time.
3: If you enjoy our episodes, head over to Apple Podcasts and subscribe. While you're there, we would love you to rate us and leave a review. You can also find us on Spotify, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Amazon Alexa, and where all good podcasts are found.